on episode 486 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, Rachel and I discuss nutrition for running, part one. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 486. Have you decided you're ready to make a change? To reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. I'm your host, Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with a specialization in corrective exercise and fitness nutrition. Let me be your coach as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. This episode of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is sponsored by Naked Nutrition. What does getting naked mean? For supplements, it means no unnecessary additives. It means premium sourced ingredients without fillers, so you don't need to compromise on your diet or your goals. That's what Naked Nutrition offers. Back in 2014, a former college athlete didn't understand why protein powders and other supplements had so many unnatural ingredients. If they're supposed to be health supplements, why can't you understand the ingredient list? Naked Nutrition was started with five single ingredient supplements, including the best-selling Naked Way which has only one ingredient, whey protein from grass-fed California cows, and the best-selling Naked Pea, a vegan protein made from one ingredient, raw yellow peas grown in the U.S. and Canada. The company has grown to offer over 40 products, but the vision of sourcing the best ingredients, using as few of them as possible, and being transparent so you know exactly what's going into your body is the same today as when the company was founded. Whether you're working towards losing weight, having more energy, or improving your endurance to become a better runner, what you put in your body directly impacts how you feel and the results you get. Naked Nutrition is committed to shortening the steps between their farms and you. Get naked. Visit Naked Nutrition today. It's nutrition with nothing to hide. Use the discount code 40PLUS and get 10% off your first order. NakedNutrition.com Let me ask you a question. If you were in the same place one year from now, same weight, same health markers, same fitness, how would you feel? Okay, now a follow-on question. What are you doing to make next year better? Listening to Health and Fitness Podcast isn't going to do anything. You must take action if you want to change. In the 40 Plus Fitness 12-Week Gas Program, we're doing just that. I provide the gas, guidance, accountability, and support, and you take the wheel and go. I'm so sure you'll get results on this program that I offer a full 100% money-back guarantee. Action, results. If you're tired of being stuck in the mud, do your future self a favor and go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash gas. Complete the short application, and we'll figure out what you need to do to make sure you're not the same next year. 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash gas. Howdy, Raz. How are things? Good, Alan. How are you today? I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's busy. My, my wife went over to the mainland to get a surgery done on her knee. Uh, it, it was way past time. She's, she's had work done on these knees before. Uh, but she's having more pain mm-hmm. and she went into the doctor and he was mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is uh, and I can't even remember the wording that he used, but it was just sort of like the, 
you, you neglected your knees for far too long. You need to do surgery. Oh, uh, and oh so no. I, I kind of so read this because, because most orthopedic surgeons are really, they're just, they're really just lumber workers. You know, they're just, they're the craftsmen that work with like any other medium that just happens to be mm-hmm. bone. Um, mm-hmm. and so they're just, yeah, they, they literally, literally like construction, uh, where they can just take a, a bit out, you know, like, like a, a stud out of a wall and then put another stud in there. Uh, it's kind of feels like that sometimes because they're just quite literally doing carpentry, uh, for lack oh of a better goodness. word. Uh, but so, yeah, so she went in for surgery and it's just, it, it was kind of funny because she had never actually met the doctor. She did all of this over text via WhatsApp, mm-hmm. which is what we all use at, down here to communicate. Cause it's you know free and you can use it any internet connection and you can text and call. Hmm. And so she had never actually met the guy. She just texted him. And, and so he comes in and she thought she was going to go in for her COVID test on Friday and then come back Saturday mm-hmm. for the surgery. But she showed up for a COVID test. And he's like, no, we're doing the surgery today. Oh, um, well, today turned out to be nine o'clock that night. <laughs> she didn't oh, have anything to gosh. eat for 12 oh. hours. And, and then she said her roommate didn't go in for surgery until midnight and didn't get back to the room till 3 a.m. So oh, um, wow. kind of just have an interesting thing, but she's, yeah. she did well for the surgery and she's recovering now and uh, she should be back home in a, a few days time. Oh, so, my goodness. but you know, uh, that means that, and I guess I, I shouldn't complain. I didn't have to go through th- surgery, but uh, <laughs> I have to keep, I have to keep Lula's moving. You know, we can't let yes. the construction guys go um, and take a week off because someone else will snatch them up. And so it's like, you got to keep them going, got to keep them going. I'm like, okay. And so just a lot of moving parts this week. So oh my goodness, me, what's going on <laughs> up in Michigan? Well, the weather's good. We went camping for the first time this season. We've got a little pull-behind trailer that we took up north a little ways, and it was a little chilly, but we enjoyed the weekend on the beach. We pretty much had the whole campground to ourselves, practically. There's not a lot of brave nobody people. Else is, <laughs> no. Yeah, nobody else is going to go out there. It's like, no. I saw you wearing a jacket and spraying off yes. your dogs, and I was yes. like, man, they must have not liked that at all. Oh, but, no, uh, it was chilly. Uh, but yeah, yeah, they, we were on the beach, so they got pretty sandy and filthy over the weekend, but it was, it was a lovely weekend. The weather ended up being chilly, but nice. And, and it was just nice to have a change of scenery for a while. So it was very nice. Well, good. It's, it's always good to get out into nature and just kind of oh, yeah. be and disconnect. Although I, I saw posts from Mike, so I know he wasn't completely off the grid. Uh, he was <laughs> yep. still, he was still posting on Facebook. So I know mm-hmm. he, was, <laughs> yeah. he was still Our, connected. He was. Our dogs are hilarious. We sent, we put a lot of videos and pictures of our dogs out there because they're just a hoot. So uh, we have our youngest is eight, uh, almost eight months now. And the youngest pup, I should say, and she, um, she was uh, swimming for the first time and retrieving like the best duck dog we could probably have. So we were very happy with her this weekend. Well, good, good. All right. So uh, we are actually going to talk about running today and the nutrition around running. Um, So you ready to dive into this? Yes, let's do that. All right. And so this week, we're going to start what is going to be part of, I think it's going to be a two-part series. Rachel and I are are looking at the amount of things we have to say on this issue and the amount of research (laughs) that, um, you know, Rachel's out there doing with the RRCA and everything. And so, you know, the standards that are out there and all that and articles and conversations. And we're, as we're going into this, we're realizing this is going to be a long conversation, longer than a standard podcast for us. Uh, so it's probably going to be a two-part series, and this will be the first one. 
and we'll get into it. So the conversation we're having is about nutrition and, in, and hydration, and in particular, for people that are going to do longer duration races. So if you're looking at doing a 5K, uh, this is probably not that conversation, and we'll, we'll talk about why in a few minutes. But if you're looking at longer duration races, uh, you know, where we're going to the 10K and the half marathon and then into the marathon and longer, that's what this conversation is about. So, uh, Rachel, it's, uh, we're going to have to, we're going to jump into this. And All you know, right. every time I talk to anybody, I have to preface, uh, you know, one, I'm not a nutritionist and neither is Rachel. Right. Uh, you know, Rachel is an endurance athlete. Um, and so she does a lot of running. She has a lot of experience. She's certified with the RRCA. And so we know what their standards are. And then we also know what works for us, mm-hmm. which is not their standard. But that said, every person is an individual and your, your bio individual, your hydration rate right now, your, your nutrition, whether you're in ketosis or not, all those things for you are unique. And so, uh, the the advice we give here today is not meant to be any kind of medical advice. It's not meant to be, be any dietary advice because I think the key of it is your nutrition is individual to you. That's right. And the things you see printed from the RRCA, they work for 80% of the people, but that means there's outliers. Mm-hmm. And it breaks on light being keto adapted athletes that puts us in that outlier position, Mm -hmm. but we're going to talk about both today. So I think the first concept I really wanted to get into, and Rachel, you can, uh, you can dive in a little deeper on this is that a lot of people, when they're thinking about nutrition are thinking about race day, they're already, their heads already on that race because they've signed up for a race. Uh, you know, and this episode's going live in May, I believe. And uh, so you're looking at a race you want to do in say August or September. Okay. So it's mm-hmm. a fall race and you're, you're getting ready for it, but your nutrition is thinking September instead mm-hmm. of thinking about your long run on Sunday. Right. <laughs> yes. So Rachel, explain to us why it's important to train like you're going to race and how, how that particularly relates to nutrition and hydration. Well, running is an interesting sport in that the things that we drink and eat before, during, and after our run are pretty different from our day-to-day eating. Um, For example, you're not going to uh, stop mid-run on your marathon day and um, have a picnic lunch somewhere in the park with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So uh, running foods are a little bit different than your normal foods in most situations, but you need to plan on how you're going to fuel on race day, which means you need to practice that plan in training. And it's really important that you spend a lot of time practicing your hydration and your nutrition so that you are best prepared for race day. It's like studying to take the test. You need to know what works for you and also what doesn't work for you. Yeah. Show up with two number two pencils and ready to <laughs> put yep. your head down and do something. And, yep. and that's one of the things that I think is really important um, is to journal this stuff. The only way you're going to know what's working is to, to actually pay attention and over time recognize, oh, when I do this, I perform better. Mm-hmm. When I do that, I get cramps. 
Um, <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, so let's get a little bit into the whole journaling. If someone's going to look at their nutrition, particularly on like a longer run in their training mm-hmm. days, what would their journal look like? Well, first, uh, that is the first key takeaway for all your listeners today is to definitely embrace a journal of some sort. If you want a spiral notebook and write things down, that's great. There's a lot of apps that you can use as well, like MyFitnessPal and whatnot. But the first thing you want to do is start journaling your day-to-day eating and drinking habits. Most of us really have no idea how much water we drink in a day or how much and what type of food we eat in a day. And so if you can measure it, you can monitor it, and that's what's going to give you the the light bulb moment as to what is working and not working, especially as you translate it to running. So once you know what you eat and, and drink on a day-to-day basis, then write down a little bit of notes about what you feel on a running day. So if you're out there on a training day, and uh, right now when this podcast airs, it should be about May, um, it's going to be warm, but not super hot um, in most areas, although probably in the South, it'll be pretty hot. So you're going to go on a three or four mile run, training run. And are you going to take water with you? Are you going to drink water before or after? Are um write down some of the notes of how you felt on that run. Did you feel energized? Did you feel fatigued? Were you feeling thirsty? And and start to to write down some notes about where your head is, what what you feel your body is, how did you feel on that run? Was it successful or not? And start to draw some lines between what you're eating and drinking and how that affected you on that run. Yeah. And I think it's just really important for you to be be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, this is this journal you're putting together is not for anyone else to see. Right. It's not, you know, <laughs> there's no reason for you to to not be paying attention and say, "Oh, well, I didn't count that brownie I had for dessert." Um, go ahead and count it. It is yeah. part of your nutrition, uh, whether you liked that you did it after the fact or not. It's just mm-hmm. kind of one of those things to understand how you're performing and what's going on. Now, we are going to talk about this from both the keto perspective and the sugar burner, or carb burner perspective later. Uh, but I want to jump into what I think is actually in this in this whole conversation, maybe the most important part. But you know, the, the journal is a good key takeaway. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is, most runners that fail or struggle at longer distances, it's not a nutrition problem; it's a hydration problem. Right. Yeah. Hydration is really the starting point of a successful athlete. And the RRCA suggests that you could um, do this calculation, determine what your body weight is in pounds and multiply that by 0.55. And that gives you the ounces of water that you should drink as an exerciser. And this is um, just your simple daily goal. So for a 150 pound person, for example, that's about eight, uh, 10, eight ounce glasses of water per day. That's not too far off the standard rule of thumb that we've all been told we should be drinking eight glasses of water per day. Which has no basis. In fact, it was just (laughs) a number someone made up and threw out there. Um, The RRCA has worked with thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands of runners over the mm-hmm. years and paid attention to this. And so the guidance they're giving is, is going to be pretty spot on. But again, it's it's all individualized. It is. And so t- use that as your starting point. And this is really important because for a, for a person who drinks 10 glasses of water per day, you might find yourself in the bathroom a lot. 
because water will go right through you. If it's not being used, it's coming out. And that could actually impact your running as well. So, I mean, again, this is a starting point. And the point of, of having this hydration is that it is also said um, by the RRCA and some other groups that a fluid loss of 1% will adversely impact your circulatory performance and it will decrease your performance on your run. And a decrease of 2% in hydration will make all of these consequences even more significant. So it's, again, that 1% or 2% makes it sound like you need to be drinking X number of ounces per day, no matter what, or your, um, or your running performance is going to suffer. But it's really not that exact of a science. Yeah. You know, one of the I guess, rules of thumb is to look at the, the color of your urine and it should yes. be a, a light yellow uh, color. Uh, mm-hmm. But that said, uh, you could still be drinking too much water. Um, and have light yellow urine, uh, particularly if you're taking vitamins or doing something else, uh, mm-hmm. to flush some, some vitamins. And so, um, the reason we, we really want to kind of get into this topic is not just that you stay hydrated, but that you not overhydrate. Right. You know, we're all very accustomed to knowing we can only survive so many days without water dehydration is a huge factor. We are all hyper-focused on dehydration, which becomes a problem because the pendulum has actually swung in the exact opposite direction. And now we're actually seeing a lot more cases of hyponatremia, which is overhydration. We're again, so concerned about getting dehydrated on a run, especially on a beautiful summer day, you're in the in the sun and in the heat, you worry about you're going to be dehydrating and ruin your, ruining your race. So we swing to the other side and overdrink. And that's actually just as big, if not bigger of a problem now than it ever has been before. Yeah. I, I actually dealt with this myself. Um, I call it water poisoning, but, uh, cause it, it's basically what it is. Uh, your electrolytes drop to a point where, you know, you're in trouble and you're drinking water and you can't retain that water. And mm-hmm. so that's, and that's just flushing out more of the electrolytes. And so my story went like this. And I, I know I've told this before. And I said, I even wrote about it in the book was I was on one of my little health kicks, you know, during that eight year period of time when I was trying to figure all this stuff out and more water was better. Right. And so I knew I was, I was flying over to Malaysia and I, I knew, okay, on the plane, you can get dehydrated, drink plenty of water. And I was like really, really dedicated. So every morning I got up and I went for a run and it's very humid in Malaysia. And so I was sweating like a madman and, <laughs> uh, I would, you know, basically then, uh, drink water all through the day and they were actually in Ramadan. So, you know, pretty much, uh, I wasn't, you know, I was drinking water. Uh, I wasn't eating during the day. And um, then I, you know, Friday night, I got on an airplane and flew home again, the long flight in an airplane. Uh, you know, you're, you're dehydrating there. Uh, I'm drinking tons of water on the plane. Uh, and I keep drinking water on Monday. Uh, and then Tuesday morning, I'm sitting in my office and I feel kind of this little tingly, in my head, just this disorientation. And the next thing I know, I'm going into convulsions and I'm throwing up and I shat um, Mm. and I'm laying on the floor. Mm. And I don't think I was unconscious for long, um, but, um, you know, I get up and 
everybody in the office is like, we need to call an ambulance. And I'm like, no, no, no. I said, I, I, I'll just clean up myself and go home and get some rest, which I did. And then about nine o'clock that night, I was fit, still feeling really, really bad. And my chest was starting to hurt. Mm. And um, so I went into the emergency room. And I can tell you, if you're over 45 years old and you go into an emergency room with your uh, chest hurting, uh, chest pains, they put you in the front of the line. <laughs> so yeah, uh, right. shortest way to ever had an emergency room was walking in and telling them I had chest pains. Uh, they got me in the back. They gave me nitroglycerin and um, started me on an IV, which is a standard protocol. And then we go to, um, then, then they sit there and like two hours later, uh, they've done some tests and they said, okay, here's basically what's happened. He said, you're severely dehydrated and your sodium and potassium are really, really low. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? He says, well, you're in this spiral. And if we don't get you out of the spiral, you could die. Mm-hmm. And so he said, we've got you on saline right now. He said, we're going to finish out this bag of saline. And then you go home and on your way home, you stop and get some Gatorade. And I went in and I looked at the Gatorade and I was like, there's not that much sodium and potassium in Gatorade. Uh, if what I need is sodium and potassium, I would so much rather drink spicy V8 and that is a ton of sodium. <laughs> so I, yeah, I bought, I bought a big thing of spicy V8 and started pounding that instead of water. Uh, and I drank spicy V8. And then he said, go back to your doctor and have a blood test done so I can check your sodium tomorrow. I went in. It was still below 25. Um, so still the danger zone. So mm-hmm. they sent me back to the emergency room to get another uh, IV. Mm-hmm. So I went through another IV uh, and then, you know, kept pounding the V8s for a few days until I started feeling normal. And then I told my, my regular doctor about it. And so we added that to my standard testing protocol. When I go in and get blood tests, I look at my sodium, I look at my pot- potassium cool. because I know I have a tendency to run low. And if I'm working hard to hydrate right and I'm drinking water, there's the potential that I could get too low. And so it's just mm-hmm. one of those things of monitoring yourself in, in your individual circumstance. Other people could probably have handled the water that I can't handle because I'm already mm-hmm. generally low and it just pushed me too, too far. So uh, this is no joke. Uh, being right. dehydrated on a run or being overhydrated on, on a run can, can both be extremely dangerous. So that's why I wanted to start with, with hydration because mm-hmm. it's obviously near and dear to my heart. This episode of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is sponsored by Naked Nutrition. What does getting naked mean? For supplements, it means no unnecessary additives. It means premium sourced ingredients without fillers, so you don't need to compromise on your diet or your goals. That's what Naked Nutrition offers. Back in 2014, a former college athlete didn't understand why protein powders and other supplements had so many unnatural ingredients. If they're supposed to be health supplements, why can't you understand the ingredient list? Naked Nutrition was started with five single ingredient supplements, including the best-selling Naked Way, which has only one ingredient, whey protein from grass-fed California cows, and the best-selling Naked Pea, a vegan protein made from one ingredient, raw yellow peas grown in the U.S. and Canada. The company has grown to offer over 40 products, but the vision of sourcing the best ingredients, 
using as few of them as possible and being transparent so you know exactly what's going into your body is the same today as when the company was founded. Whether you're working towards losing weight, having more energy, or improving your endurance to become a better runner, what you put in your body directly impacts how you feel and the results you get. Naked Nutrition is committed to shortening the steps between their farms and you. Get naked. Visit Naked Nutrition today. It's nutrition with nothing to hide. Use the discount code 40PLUS and get 10% off your first order. NakedNutrition.com Now, I talked about V8. Rachel, could you go into a little bit about whether people should be drinking water or maybe they should be drinking some of these these drinks that are on the market in day-to-day life it could be a mixture of of water and different types of electrolyte drinks like um, i am an ambassador for noon that's n-u-u-n sounds like the time of day noon and we've had you can has been a sponsor of your podcast before and both of those um, brands of electrolyte drinks just like um, gatorade and, and other brands out there are all they all have different levels of the key electrolytes um sodium, potassium, magnesium, and, and calcium in some respect, and sometimes. So um, it, it, it also kind of follows suits with your way of eating. If, if you have a very low salt diet, then you're not getting a lot of sodium. If you don't eat a lot of um, fruits, you may not be getting the potassium. So, I mean, it, it, it all kind of messages together. That's why I say keep a journal of what you're eating and drinking. So when you had drank all that water, Alan, if if you had a more salt-heavy diet, you may not have had such a huge response like you did, depending on the volume of water you were drinking, maybe. A lot, but, a lot. But it but, does you know, go hand in hand. And you're right, and you're right. I mean, I was drinking a lot of water, but I think that the core of it was I wasn't eating any salt because, you know, the guidelines from my doctor were avoid salt because you have mm-hmm. high blood pressure. And I was on high blood pressure medication at the time. And so, you know, it was like, okay, avoid salt, drink water. Uh, those are healthy things, right? Well, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Well, electrolytes are really important for our bodies. They control the fluid balance. They regulate our blood pressure, muscle contractions, and um, maintain the acidity or the pH of our blood. So they, they have a really important place in our day-to-day lives, but that even becomes more pronounced when we start running. So when we start running, we're going to lose a lot of liquid in sweat, obviously, as well as through our breath, we breathe out a lot of moisture and the, and the more that we, more time we spend out there on the road, the more moisture we're going to lose and the more electrolytes kind of come out in our sweat as well. If you've been out there for a run in the, in the middle of the summer in July, like I have, you know, I'll be dripped in sweat, but also in this white grit, you know, you'll see on my skin, I almost look like a powdered donut sometimes because on my skin and on my clothes, I have all this white grit that comes out in my sweat. So in those times, types of moments, I'm losing a whole ton of electrolytes just in sweat alone. So on those types of days, it's more important to have an electrolyte drink than just water. Yeah. And, and that grit, um, is, is, is a sign, uh, mm-hmm. particularly when you stop sweating and then it's just the grit, um, mm-hmm. that, that means you've gone a little too far overboard. You need to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, you're on the verge of, um, maybe a heat um, exhaustion or a heat stroke uh, when your body stops sweating, because then at that point, 
uh, you're not able to cool off at all. The sweat provides when it evaporates a way to cool you off. So that's mm -hmm. why we sweat. We're one of the few animals, maybe not the only animal on earth that actually sweats mm -hmm. and has the capacity to wick off that heat that way. And so that's a very important mechanism. So if you sweat more, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're less of an athlete. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not an indicator of how fit you are. So the not sweating doesn't mean you're a better athlete. It just means that you're, for one reason or another, your body can cool itself off without that much sweat. Whereas mm -hmm. someone else like myself, uh, I'm going to sweat a lot. And yes, mm -hmm. if I, I, I get that grit, uh, when I do the longer sweat sessions and, um, you know, that's, I just recognize that that's what's happening. I'm losing, I'm losing those electrolytes, um, and I need to replace them one way or another, either through my diet or mm -hmm. through an electrolyte drink, or, you know, in some cases, uh, when I really need to get a lot in at a short period of time, I drink something that I wouldn't normally have, uh, mm -hmm. like the spicy V8, <laughs> but it, it, it gave me what I needed. That's um, good. now one thing that you talked about here, you put into our little show plan, which I thought was actually really, really cool. Uh, cause I actually did used to do this, but not for this reason. I just did it because it was, it was fun, um, <laughs> <laughs> was to, uh, to weigh myself after a run. So I weigh myself before mm -hmm. a run and I weigh myself after I've done the same thing going to the bathroom, uh, for various reasons, but, uh, <laughs> just to see what that weight difference was, but you can get an idea of how much fluid you're losing mm -hmm. on your long runs with yeah. this method. Yeah, there, a lot of runners will do a sweat test, and um, I've not done it myself very often. And it it seems to be um, more important to do maybe in the summer when you're when you're definitely going to sweat at a higher rate than you would maybe in the winter, at least up here in Michigan. But uh, you weigh yourself before a training run. Um, in the morning, use the bathroom before you get dressed. Step on the on the scale, get a pre-run weight. And then um, go ahead, do your run. And when you get home, um, dry off as much as you can. Um, take the clothes off because your clothes will be containing all that sweat that you just sweat off. And try and get another weight, a post-run weight. And then and then use that information. There's a ton of um, apps you can use. There's online calculators. But basically, the difference in ounces is roughly, again, a very rough rule of, rule of thumb of, of an amount of water or electrolyte drink that you should take back in. And um, this sweat science has actually become such an important topic for a lot of elite athletes that there's a lot of labs that um, you can get like this patch to attach to your skin, and the patch will be able to tell calculate what of the electrolytes you're sweating out so that you can get more of a customized mix of how much sodium, potassium, and magnesium you mean, might need to take back in. So um, you can get pretty scientific with it if you had the time and the inclination to do that. But even just a simple weight test of before and after run to see how much you sweat off could be also pretty helpful. Yeah. Actually figuring out how much you're losing of electrolytes is, is kind of a uh kind of geeky. Uh, but if you love it, but <laughs> yeah. if you love data, if you love yeah. having data and, and performance is something that's really important to you, that's, that mm -hmm. doesn't sound like a bad, a bad thing to do. Obviously there's a cost involved, but sure. uh, when you do it, you're going to have real data and mm -hmm. the weight of how much fluid you've lost is going to give you good information. Knowing what you've lost is going to give you good information. Mm -hmm. And again, most importantly, having a journal Mm -hmm. So you know what's going on and okay, did you do a long run on Sunday and then Monday morning you're waking up with toe cramps? Mm -hmm. 
That's a that's a strong indicator that you've let yourself get a little dehydrated mm-hmm. uh, because we keep losing hydration at night. So you might have been mildly dehydrated at the end of your run and you went to bed and then over the course of the night, breathing out uh, the moisture that comes out of your breath, you now are dehydrated. Right. And well, then, yeah. you know, and, and I'm just a quick tip. If you, if you find yourself with cramps, uh, pickle juice. Okay. <laughs> yep. It's a thing. I don't know why it works. Uh, I've seen different <laughs> hypotheses, uh, the tanginess of it, that there's not enough electrolytes in it that it should immediately fix cramps, but it does. It's a I thing. Mean, it works. Yep. There's a lot of runners that swear by it. That's for sure. Well, I want to step back just a second. The RRCA has some guidance of about how much you should be drinking before, during, and after a run. So the RRCA suggests before you run, drink about 10 to 16 ounces, about one to two hours before your run, and then maybe four to eight hours or four to eight ounces right before you start your exercise. Now, this could be um, a water. This could be an electrolyte drink. Um, there's other um, brands like Noon and Can. They have a pre-run drink that has um, maybe heavier on the electrolytes or a little bit of carbs to kind of prime you before you before you do your run. But this um, this is the RRCA's guidance on, on before you go out for a run. You want to get some liquid in you before you run. You want to give yourself enough time to use the bathroom before you go. And then um, so that way you're primed. The pump is primed. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, again, journaling and just kind of paying attention to what's going on in your body. That's really Mm -hmm. going to be the way that you know what works for you and what doesn't. Uh, I'll I'll put one other little spin. uh, And this is, this is Alan uh, coaching Mm -hmm. here. This is not the RRCA, but if you increase your fluid intake, uh, you're going to lose some of that. And that means you're going to go to the bathroom a lot, potentially a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're going to add additional liquids to your day, uh, two things. One is try to put those in the morning. So you're not waking up several times at night to go to the bathroom Mm -hmm. because that's impacting your sleep, which is another reason you won't perform well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you want to make sure that you're not impacting your sleep. Uh, And then the other is just realizing that if you're going on a long run, uh, there's typically porta johns at a race uh, mm-hmm. where you're where you're training. There might not be access to facilities, so if you're on a long run and have to go to the bathroom, that could be problematic. So just <laughs> yes. just kind of recognizing that, uh, paying attention to your flu your fluids and then how you're taking them, when you're taking them, and what that mm-hmm. means from a, um, a going to the bathroom thing. For sure, which the the next set of guidance from RRCA for during the run, they suggest that you drink four to eight ounces of water or sports drink every 15 to 20 minutes, which sounds like a lot. That sounds like a lot in volume. And if if you go on the low side, so suggest you do um, four ounces every 15 minutes, that is approximately 16 ounces of liquid per hour, which is a lot. And if you're out there for a very fast, which I, I consider fast, a two-hour half marathon, then you'll be drinking 32 ounces. And to me, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. So you would spend a lot of time in the bathroom. And just to show that point, I actually went out and I did, I ran myself a half marathon over the weekend and I ended up drinking about 12 ounces for my half marathon. And uh, that would equate to about four ounces an hour. 
instead of four ounces per every 15 minutes, like the RRCA was suggesting. Yeah. And, and again, that's what we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast was that, um, your, your nutrition and your hydration are going to be individualized and, mm -hmm. uh, guidelines are great. Rules of thumb are great, but mm -hmm. they're just a starting point for you to get an understanding of what works for most people. Um, and then monitoring that and managing that to what's important and what works for you. It's true. And you need to really pay attention to how you're feeling. So um, right now in Michigan, the weather is temperate. I think it might've been in the forties or fifties when I was running. So I was not temperate. sweating. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was pleasant is what it was. <laughs> and I was not sweating a lot. So I was not super thirsty. It was, I wasn't under the heat of the sun and feeling like um, the habit of being thirsty either. So maybe that's why I drank little um, at this time of year versus what the RRCA is suggesting. But um, it, it is very individualized and you need to pay attention to how you're feeling. So if you're feeling fatigued, if you're feeling cramps, if you're feeling like you just don't have the, the zing or the energy to keep going, hydration would be the first place to start. And it would be something to consider. Have you been drinking water this whole time? Maybe it's time to switch to an electrolyte drink, or maybe it's time to switch electrolyte different brands of electrolyte drink. And um, I bring that up because most of the races, half marathon and marathons that you'll sign up and go for or go to, they often carry Gatorade, which is a, is a heavy sugar brand of electrolyte drink. The electrolytes are fine, but it does contain a pretty heavy amount of sugar. And in many cases, the concentration that they offer at a race is higher than what you're going to drink in training. So this is a key point for um, practicing this strategy in training and then having it prepared for race day. So if that means that you need to bring your um, handheld water bottle or your hydration backpack or something, then, then you should do that. Yeah. And if, if, you're, if you're getting into a race and it's a really, particularly a warm race, like mm -hmm. a really, you know, it's going to, the weather's going to be hot and, and you know, you're going to sweat a lot. It's worth bringing along a couple buddies to go out onto the course and be holding your, your electrolyte drinks there. You know, mm -hmm. um, it, if I was going to, if I was going to get back into marathoning now, that's exactly what I would do. You know, I, in the, when I was younger, I, I wasn't as, um, I'll just say I wasn't as wise as I might be today. I'm not going to say I'm wise, but you know, I definitely <laughs> wasn't wise then. Uh, cause I did a lot of foolish things, but you know, if I were going to do something like that today, I, I would bring along two, two, two buddies or even one buddy, but someone that like on a bike that I know mm -hmm. could get ahead of me and get to another station and just say, here's, here's where we're going to meet up for you to give me my hydration for you That's to give me my nutrition. Sure. That's a great strategy. And it's important that you t uh, check the race rules to make sure you're allowed to have a pacer if someone's going to run with you, or if you're allowed to be crude, if someone's going to be handing you your own drinks or fueling or whatever. Um, it's important that you check the rules on that. But yeah, you can make arrangements for uh, what mile marker or aid station your buddy can meet you at to, to give you your own stuff if you're not interested in carrying it yourself. Yeah. And, and I'm not competing with anybody but myself. So right. I don't care what the rules are. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry guys. Uh, I'll be a rule breaker uh, sure. for my own health and fitness uh, if I have to be, but it's um, you know, I, 
I just think it's important for you to practice and do these yes. things and to know what's working for you and hydration. Mm-hmm. And I, we could talk about this all day long because yep. it is just that important. And, you know, just kind of even understanding it, some people will take a sugary drink uh, and they'll be fine. And other people, mm-hmm. you know, that are keto, uh, they may try something that is, uh, it has an artificial sweetener in it mm-hmm. and the insulin response is not there, but the, the brain thinking there's sugar. Mm-hmm. And and then suddenly now you're craving something sweet and they're offering Gatorade and now you're mm-hmm. not fueling with the thing you intended to fuel with because yeah. your brain is miswired. And so just kind of recognizing <laughs> yeah. that you got to find something that works for you in training yeah. and then that that's your plan and you, you, you use your plan and you stick to your plan through this race. And if you yeah. don't make it through the race that's okay. You, you learn mm-hmm. something new and you can fail forward with that. You know, so it's, it's, it's more important for you to take care of yourself than it is for you to PR uh, you know, <laughs> for sure or finish. For sure. Well, while we're on the topic of, of the sugars in Gatorade and I, and I only know this cause I, I have had Gatorade and on race day and I could tell you, it's definitely a lot more concentrated and a lot sweeter than what I ever used in training. And the reason why it's important is regardless of whether you're a, a car burner or a keto person like myself, too much sugar is going to cause problems in your stomach. It's it's it, and also in your mouth. The problem is is that too much sugar. So if you're eating, and we'll talk about fueling later, but if you're eating sugary goos or the gummy chops that um, you might eat as a runner, plus you're piling on the sugar in the Gatorade or even the the non sugar that that we have in the you can in the noons, too much sugar. It, or non-sugar, it's going to give you what I call a sugar bomb. It's going to hit your stomach and it's going to send you straight to the porta potty. <laughs> so you really have got to pay attention to, and you can alternate between water and Gatorade or water and, and noon or other drinks during training or and also during race day, which is really important to avoid the sugar bomb. But it also becomes a problem in your mouth. Too much of that sugar and the acidity in the foods as well as what we're drinking will will irritate your mouth and it becomes very distracting, especially towards the end of the race. And then it becomes harder to take in the liquids and the solids that you need to finish a race strong. So it's really important to practice this in training as well as race day and to know the difference um, when you need to alternate between water and an electrolyte drink. Okay. So we're going to move away from the hydration topic. And if we, if you have a question we didn't answer here today, I encourage you to go to the Facebook group at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash group. Uh, we have a Facebook group there and, and Rachel and I are on there regularly. So if you have a hydration question about running, uh, go ahead and post it there and we'll be sure to, to get you an answer there. Now, I want to preface that this conversation, you know, hydration is important across all realms of of performance in life. Uh, You need to stay hydrated uh, to be at your best. But uh, when we start getting into the nutrition topic, uh, then that's where we have to take the break between whether you're doing a shorter run or a longer run. If you're doing a 5K, most people can complete a 5K without really worrying about their their nutrition. Um, You know, they might be offering something at, at the aid station, but most of the time on a 5k it's Gatorade and water. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes they give you a choice. Sometimes they have both. Um, and so, 
you know, we're not talking about the shorter races. Your, your hydration strategy could be just to drink the water on that race and then you're good to go. Uh, please throw your cup in the trash can. Uh, <laughs> and then, yes. you know, as far as, but as far as a longer run, hydration becomes a bigger issue and nutrition uh, really becomes the big issue uh, beyond mm-hmm. that because, the, you know, hydration is going to definitely stop you from completing that race. But nutrition then becomes, will I finish? Will I not? Uh, and then later, as you get into this, if, if you stay into endurance sports, then it's going to be, how do I improve my performance? And you're going to improve your performance by your training, but it's also going to be a part of training. And you know, that training is going to be a part of building your nutrition. So we're going to take this conversation and there's really two conversations <laughs> because as Rachel and I were talking about, I was mm-hmm. like, well, what we do today is very different than what we would have done in the past. Mm-hmm. And that's because in the past we were like 99% plus of all the other athletes out there, all the other endurance athletes in that we were sugar burners. Mm-hmm. And so we were utilizing carbs during a race and your glycogen stores, which is basically how we store energy. It's not in the stomach. It's actually in our muscles and liver. Those stores are what we're using when we're running, if we're a sugar burner mm-hmm. and we're good to go with that for about 90 minutes to two hours. And for most of us, that's going to mean for a race like a 10K or a 10K, you might finish before that. But with the half marathons and particularly anything longer than that, you're going to hear a term called bonking. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's that point where you've used up your glycogen stores and your body is just basically telling you, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I've had enough. It's time to go home. And many times that's the end of your marathon. Uh, and in some cases, it might be the end of your half marathon, uh, depending on how fast you go through your glycogen store. So we're going to take and we're going to we're going to break up this conversation into uh, basically a sugar burner conversation, which will be pretty quick and easy, uh, and then a keto conversation. Uh, so because they're two different nutrition strategies, mm-hmm. you yeah. can't do both. No. Uh, <laughs> Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, join Rachel and I for part two of Nutrition for Running. Until then, have a happy and healthy week.